Hey, Interwed family, this is Pastor Rudy Rodriguez, Calvary City on the Hill in Provo, Utah. Just wanted to thank you all for listening and or watching via the World Wide Web and joining us in worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ or just seeking more information about God. If God puts it on your hearts, would you be willing to join us in partnering through giving to the ministry to bring the gospel to all the world by visiting our website? cityonahillut.org that's cityonahillut all one word dot org and clicking on the donate button any free will offering would be appreciated very much thank you so much god bless you okay it's <laughs> you guys are the best um so yeah so i'm giving the message today it's uh my first time you guys uh it's nice to be with family. There's just a few of us here. That definitely helps my anxieties. Um, I feel definitely uh, the big shoes I'm here to fill. So um, I'm grateful for everybody's uh, support. Um, so, um, yeah, Rudy asked me to speak on Sunday last week. And uh, the, the next two days were filled with uh, cortisol the early morning alarm of cortisol, um, and I didn't quite know what to speak on. He didn't. He, he leaves it open to me. So, um, uh, yeah, I, that really stressed me out. Um, but uh, when I and I actually made the decision Tuesday morning when I had the cortisol, I was like, I'm going to tell Rudy this is not going to happen. And I and and I knew I wouldn't see it till Wednesday night. So I thought. Okay, but tomorrow night I'm going to tell him that. And then somehow I'm in the Word and I'm at my computer doing stuff. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm not doing this. But God is good. And praise God, he doesn't let me hold him back. If I had that power, I think I would. I'm that fallen. Um, so then, it was, and, you know, and, and, you know, luckily I have to find some some subject to get me into the Word, what I'm going to speak about. And... Hopefully this is somewhat clear uh, as far as the themes I'm touching on today. Um, but, and I apologize for this, uh, I'm, the thing I think about is probably what you guys have heard about plenty, which is fraud. I'm, you know, those, are, those of you who are my, my, my Facebook friends, you're probably sick of this subject. Um, you can't get away from it. And, and even before this last election, we heard four years of fraud. So anyway, that was on my mind, and I thought, let's look in here for fraud. And another word for fraud is deceit. And this word is, is coursing with examples of deceit. There's so much deceit in here because there's so much deceit out here, and there always has been. Um, from the very beginning, um, with the serpent, when he said, did God really say deceit was born? Right there. So I will be talking about deceit. I will also be talking about uh, man's fallen nature, uh, what we in the theater call the human condition. Do you guys know that term? Um, yeah, just, just the difficulty of, of living, of, of experiencing loss and disappointment and being taken for a fool. Um, the stuff of, of, of the blues. When I was a kid, 
I had no use for blues because I was a happy little kid. But when I grew up and I had experiences and, and loss and pain, the blues were very therapeutic. And the word is the blues. It's, it's full of people having difficulties and stumbling and, 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 and people uh, being unfaithful. And that is the blues. And so I'm grateful for this to guide us. So I'll also be touching on, uh, on this blessed book to help us as we deal with a word that's full of uh, deceit. Um, so yes, yeah, so I, mentioned, I mentioned the serpent. Um, the human condition and the way that we as human beings refuse to take responsibility for our, act, for our actions, that was born in the garden as well. When, when, when Adam um, sinned and did what God told him not to do and God called him out on it, what did Adam say? Eve did it, right? It's somebody else's fault. I'm projecting my sins onto someone else. And then he talks to Eve and she says, the devil made me do it. Um, it's our nature to not want to take responsibility for our mistakes. It's too painful to think that we did anything wrong. So it's our nature to be, um, to project our sins onto someone else, even God. Um, and there are people who are angry at God and they blame him and they protect their own ego and they won't take responsibility for themselves. So that's, there's examples of that in here for sure. Um, and that's one of the things that I love about, uh, about the validity of this. I mean, there, you could look at all of the, the many examples, uh, of many, many copies of the Bible that there are to prove that this word is legit, that it is uh, authentic. Um, we have did Bible studies on, on that before, uh, looking at all the, the many copies and all the different transcripts or manuscripts. Um, but w- even if there was just one copy, the, the, the examples of, of the human condition in here, they, they testify of its authenticity. And me, having come from Mormonism and read the Book of Mormon, those characters, and they are characters. These are people. This is history. Those are characters because, I don't know if you guys have read the Book of Mormon, but Nephi is always good. And his brothers, Laman and Lemuel, are always bad. And it's a cartoon. It doesn't pass the smell test. There's nothing about it that's real. It's a really poorly put together first draft. I testify to that, having read it twice. This is so um, therapeutic, the, uh, the many examples in here of, of real people with their problems that echo mine. Um, let's, uh, oh, you will be using your Bibles today, or I will be reading, but I will be in it quite a bit today because I don't want to get off book, as it were. Um, so let's uh, read Mark 9, verses 17 and through 24. I bring this up because this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I want to make a t-shirt of this. I love this. It's, it's uh, the part, it's, the, it's when um, the father uh, brings his, uh, his son that has a demon that the, to, to, to Jesus because the uh, apostles couldn't, they couldn't expel the demon, so he brings it to Jesus. So let's read this. And one person from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son because he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth 
and grinds his teeth and becomes stiff. And I told your disciples so that they could cast him out, but they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. When he saw him, the spirit immediately threw him into convulsions. And falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked the father, he being Jesus, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. But Jesus said, if you can, I love that. Um, because it's, 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 it's a matter of speaking or a matter of thinking, but I've been in prayer and I'd say, if you can, as if there was any question, right? I love that. I'm not there yet. Hold your um, finger in that part of Scripture. We're going to come back to it, but let's move to John 11, if you will. John 11, 21 through 25. And I'm going here because this also put me in mind of this experience uh, in in the Bible. Um, This is when Lazarus has died and Martha's there, and she says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. (laughs) And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You have God right there, and you believe that, right? And still, uh you don't believe. We're so used to the blues. We become so despondent and and discouraged by this, this world. So let's go back to Mark 9, flip back. And, and, and the father's asking Jesus, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, immediately the boy's father cried out and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I love this because it, it captures, it's poetry. It captures the human condition in the most concise way possible. And there's so many times when I've been in prayer and I have echoed this. And to read it, like somebody else felt what I felt. Before I had read this, I'd already felt that. And then I read it. I was like, oh my gosh, someone 2,000 years beforehand, right? Yeah, 2,000 years beforehand felt what I feel. I, can, I echo this. And I remember talking to, this was a couple years ago, I talked to my brother, about this, I, I, this is one of the this is one of the subjects we talk about. Is this he is um, in the stake presidency in his Mormon stake, so he's steeped in Mormonism. So it's a bit like landmines. But we, uh, I told him about this verse specifically. I said how much I love this verse, and he was nonplussed. He's like, because I guess on the surface you look at it and you're like, uh, he says I believe, and then he says he doesn't believe. Well, and I can see why some people would, would not get that or choose not to, not to get it. But, um, and, you know, it may be because he's, you know, it, it's much, it's, it, it echoes the Book of Mormon, which is very cartoonish. The good are good, the bad are bad. And there's, there's, no, there's no complexity of actual life in between, right? So, um, anyway, unlike the Book of Mormon, this book is not a fraud. 
This book is historical, it is authentic, and the historical people in here, they mirror our complex, contradictory humanity. Amen. Uh, so, now let's get back to fraud I have written down here. Um, I have a couple of verses, and I'm not, we're just going to, we're going to blaze through, okay, because I worked on this, and then there were so many times I just kind of went cross-eyed, and I just have to trust that the message will communicate. So in, in Proverbs 20, verse 17, it says, Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. This is not literal. This is metaphorical, right? And so this is for those people that want to find fault. This is a book for adults, okay? So we can understand when it is speaking metaphorically and when it's, it's literal. Matthew 16, 24, to echo that, it says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? So, speaking about deceit, there's a lot of things in the news these days about the about Wall Street and all the deceit that's there, and everybody's crying foul because of their deceit, not my deceit. Um, okay, so I have written your social media, which, sorry. <laughs> um, it's, anyway, it's my outlet, my political outlet. It's the only place, and I'm sorry to bring it here, but we're going to stay in here. Let me just veer for a second. So, um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says here, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self social media, lovers of money, they'll be proud, arrogant, abusive, social media, uh, disobedient to their parents. They can do that without being on social media, but social media may pr provide evidence for that. So, um, <laughs> Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasing, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And this next one is a little different. Let's, let's read it. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. What is that, right? That's not social media. I mean, there are people, but that it could be. It's not as narcissistic as the rest, but it is narcissistic. Um. It, uh, I, when I read that, it put me in mind of a certain senator who back in February, uh, when he voted to impeach our President Trump, uh, covered himself in piety with his uh, syrupy words. He said, I swore an oath before God to exercise impartial justice. I am profoundly religious. He said, then he said, my faith is at the heart of who I am. Yeah, this is what he is leading with. Yes. So, let's read Luke 18, verse 10 through 14. This is what it put me in mind of. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So he's just listing all of his works, and he's, he's, in, he's basking in his own glory. Uh, but this tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. God wants us to be humble. He wants us to recognize our iniquity, which is the opposite of what Adam did in the garden. And that is the struggle of our human condition, to protect ourselves or to be humbled by God. Um, I have a quote from Martin Luther, which applies. I'm going to read. Um, Martin Luther said, God never yet gave to any person grace and everlasting life as a reward for merit. Those who seek to earn the grace of God by their own efforts are trying to please God with sins. I'm going to read it again, because when Rudy reads quotes, I always like it when he reads them again. I need to digest them a second time. Okay, so Martin Luther said, God never yet gave to any person grace and everlasting life as a reward for merit. Those who seek to earn the grace of God by their own efforts are trying to please God with sins. Amen. And uh, I have another quote as well. This is from John Calvin. John Calvin said, We shall never be clothed with the righteousness of Christ except we first know assuredly that we have no righteousness of our own. I'm going to read it again. We, so John Calvin said, We shall never be clothed with the righteousness of Christ except we first assuredly, we first know assuredly that we have no righteousness of our own. So do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't deceive yourself. So this senator, uh, I pray that he sees his folly, um, not because that's my wish, but because God uh, calls on me to pray for my enemies. If it's left to me, I'm not a good person. Um, but even him, like, you know, him and the tax collector, I, I see myself in both. Luckily, uh, luckily, right today, especially up here, I feel more in line with the tax collector. Um, but I don't be tooting my own horn. I'm, not, I'm nervous now. Right? Be humble. So let's move on. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, anyway, I, I don't, so I, I bring up uh, Jonah, because if I were to judge this guy, it would be like Jonah. Jonah disagreed with God regarding the people of Nineveh, and, uh, and he went on strike. Um, so always defer to God. We're not as smart as God. Okay. Um, amen. 
So anyway, but I praise God for the historical record of Jonah so that I can recognize this folly in myself. Uh, it is instructive, and uh, yeah, that I, I left to myself. I, I would, I fall into sin anyway, but it, it would be much worse, and I'd have to deal with the pain of that. So, anyway, being, heal, being human, I must admit I am capable of being deceived by fraud. I bring this up because there are prophets online today preaching lots of uh, prophecies, and a lot of them are very pleasing to my ear about Trump is still president, and four more years of fabulousness, and uh, I'm square in the market for that stuff. So we need to pump the brakes, and how do I know to pump the brakes? It's because of uh, the book of Jeremiah. There are lots of false prophets during Jeremiah's time. Um, Jeremiah is a book God led me to, which is great. I did remember it from having read it before, but this would be this week was my second time reading it. It's a big book with a lot of meat on the bone, a lot of drama, a lot of pain, a lot of the blues. Um, so once I got there, my message, it was hard because I wanted to include this and include that, and then I couldn't see the forest for the trees. Um, so I will be reading from there a bit today, but I will also recommend you read some on your own. Um, also, uh, I brought a map because this point in the in the Bible, I get cross-eyed. Um, basically, once once the, the people um, the people of God wanted to be ruled by a king because it was trendy and they wanted to do what everybody else was doing. They wanted to be ruled by a king, and and God through Samuel said. You don't want that. Man is, is corrupt, and a king will be corrupt. But they wanted it. So we had Saul, the first king, not a good king, right? Then we had David, who also was guilty of major sins, but uh, great on a curve, he was a good king. And then you had Solomon, who also had his problems, but he was also considered in the good king group, I'll say. Then it gets really messy, because... Uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, becomes king. Rehoboam. And when that happens, uh, ten of the tribes refused to be ruled by Rehoboam. And so the kingdom became divided. And Israel became Israel and Judah. If they called is the divided part little Israel, it would be easier for me. Because I don't know when they say, which one are you talking about, little or the full? Anyway, so that's confusing. But that's what happened. This was in 922 B.C. I'm going to go over all the setting all the circumstances. So just because, okay? Um, so that happened. The kingdom became divided. Uh, the governments were somewhat corrupt. The people were disobedient. They fell further into sin. Um, also, uh, through Israel was a trade route that was highly covetous, coveted coveted by all of the regions around them. And the regions around them were various kingdoms. There were conquering kingdoms. You have the Assyrians up here, and the Babylonians, and the Chaldeans, the Edomites, the Moabites. Tell me if I'm getting something wrong. Uh, you have Egypt down in the south, and all of these areas around here, they want to attack and get control of this highly coveted piece of land. Um, 
So, so I told you that um, in 922, the, the kingdom divided. And so it was 200 years later that the Assyrians were able to capture little Italy, little Israel, sorry. I'm a man of the world. Um, little Israel. But they weren't able to take Judah because the king of Judah was able, he fortified uh, Jerusalem up here in the north. So this was not taken over yet. There is some wink-wink kind of deals with the other governments, but oh, it gets confusing. Anyway, I'll, I'll leave that out, even though I just said it. Uh, so, so in 722, the Assyrians took Israel, uh, little Israel, and then uh, about 70 years later, Jeremiah was born in Upper Judah, Northern Judah. Um, so he's born 655 BC. His ministry spanned uh, 627 to 582. So that changeover from the 600s to the 500s, that was uh, Jeremiah's ministry. So those are the circumstances when he was called. And God called Jeremiah. Let's read that. So go to Jeremiah 1, uh, verses, well, 4 through 8, I believe. And, and, and God says, before I, formed, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, O Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to save you, declares the Lord. Remember that, okay? So then God shows Jeremiah, I'm going to skip a little ahead. Uh, God shows Jeremiah a vision of a boiling pot. Verse 13 and 14, God asks him, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see a boiling pot, and it is facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. Verse 16. I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshiped the works of their own hands. The works of their own hands is making reference to idols, correct? So they are really um, are absorbing all of the, the pagan cultures around them and uh, becoming quite unfaithful to God. Um, So anyway, so and, and this this pot that spills its contents, that's Babylon. That's the armies of Babylon that will come in to punish God's people. Um, and so Jeremiah is instructed to go and bring this news to the people. It's bad news. How do people respond when they hear bad news? They don't like it. They don't want to hear it, right? Um, but... For those of you who are parents, when kids misbehave, they need to be disciplined, right? If, if you don't discipline them, then they turn into really, really unhappy adults, which we have these days. Uh, so what were the people of Judah doing that was, uh, was so wicked? Uh, let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 3, uh, verse 6. Have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain and under every green tree, and there played the harlot. 
And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me, but she did not return. In verse, chapter 3, verse 12 says, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever, only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God. So God's words here, he, he, he isn't trying to be vengeful. And if you, if you read Jeremiah, there's tons of God's broken heart on display. It is painful. Um, and I haven't told you everything that the people were doing, but uh, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but they had, they had turned from him. This is about relationship, and they were unfaithful to God. And uh, God appears to be wounded. He is a jealous God. He does so much for his people, and, uh, and they are unfaithful. We are unfaithful. Um, yeah, they refuse to be ashamed. They refuse to acknowledge their iniquity, same as Adam. We see that today as well in politics. We see Nancy Pelosi uh, giving these, these mask orders, and then she went to the salon without wearing her mask. And how did she respond? Did she take responsibility for herself? She said, they set me up. Not my fault. They did it. So that's man still. Back in, in Judah, same thing. People don't want to acknowledge their iniquity. Uh, it's a defense mechanism. Um, so now I'm going to veer away for a moment and talk a little bit about personality disorders. I've read quite a bit about personality disorders. I have baggage. Um, I went through a divorce, and I had to understand what has happened. And so I've read a bit about narcissistic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. And they're all various shades of uh, sociopathy, sociopaths that are all about self-preservation, and there's no conscience in their pursuit of self-preservation. And I'm talking about preserving the ego. There cannot be any wound. They've done anything wrong, and they will project everything against it. It's not fun being around them. So um, that's them. Narcissists, yeah. So, um, it's yeah, it's a defense mechanism. Um, and it keeps people from being humbled when they need to be from a loving God because discipline is out of love. Um, but anyway, I read about um, uh, how a parent can try to um, uh, enable their kids to be better adults, so to be able to take responsibility. And it's usually, he says, between the ages of four and seven, their frontal cortex is not formed yet. They don't have any reasoning mind. It's just instinctive. It's just self-preservation. So you, when the kid misbehaves, you say two things to the child. You say, one, you've done wrong. I'm disappointed in your behavior. And two, but I love you. And those two things, they can't, they're, what am I trying to say? They can't have the love of the parent without accepting that they have done wrong, without allowing for absorbing shame. Or the kid could say, I will not allow myself to feel shame, and I will say, no, you're the problem or my sister, or somebody else, and they will become very, very lonely adults. And, and you can't make your kid do this. You can't reason with them. 
You just present this, and hopefully they choose the love of a parent or the love of God rather than self and loneliness and, and sin. Um, I bring that up because I think it's important uh, because parents stand uh, are stand-ins for God as far as uh, disciplining, disciplining their kids, trying to raise their kids up right. And God, I know in my life, is a parent for me. Uh, I've talked to Laura about my own narcissistic issues, and, and it's, it is kind of foreign for me since my defense position, if I feel any stress, is protect myself. And so it's a little foreign for me to uh, be humbled and accept that, that it's out of love. Um, anyway. If God loves you, he will humble you. So praise him for his discipline, which is an act of love. Let's read uh, chapter 7, Jeremiah, verses 23 and 24. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. So think of a parent to their child. Yet they did not obey, nor incline their ear, but followed the counsels and the dictates of their own evil hearts, and went backward and not forward. Um, now I have read chapter 7. The pain here. God pouring out his heart, rejected and cheated on by his people. Rich with pain. Um, I have read it. I, I wonder if we have time to read it. We probably do. I, was like, I cut it out, but now I can just jump in here, right? Let's just see what it says. Um, chapter 7 of, of Jeremiah, well, that's on 29. There's a lot, you should read it, it's, it's, it's a painful book. Um, are we going to get there yet? Um, let's see what do here. Well, I'll just I'll just jump around. Let's see. Uh, so he tells Jeremiah in verse two, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the word of the Lord. All you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. So there were um, false prophets saying the temple of the Lord, we can cling to that, that, and that's not the case. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, remember that, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place and in the, land, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Because there were uh, other prophets right then. So um, maybe I got to jump ahead. Um, Jeremiah was giving them bad news. So they sought out other sources. There were other prophets that said, there, there's no bad news. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. 
or or uh, they'd said, uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, let's, yeah, so he's preaching, let's go to uh, chapter 16, um, verses 10 through 13. Though I wanted to read the blues, but I can't find it, and I deleted it, because you know, I I work on this, and I'm supposed to leave it alone Saturday, and I, I went back. I was like, this makes no sense. Delete. So, um, I, I am gonna read. I'm gonna read some more in seven. Sorry, and hopefully it makes sense. Uh, so he says in verse nine, "Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know?" And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. But go now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the wickedness, at the, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house, which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren the whole posterity of Ephraim. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a, a cry or a prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. So he's speaking to Jeremiah. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and in the, in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods, that they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, says the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the shame of their own faces? Therefore, says, thus, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my fury will be poured out on this place, on man and on beast, on the trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. They do not incline their ear or obey their ear, Followed the counsels of the dictates of, and the dictates of their own evil hearts, and went backward and not forward. There's 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 more in here too. This is fifty something chapters of of debauchery and and pain, rejection of this people. Let's go to um, chapter sixteen now. Chapter 16, verses 10 through 11. Uh, it says, And when you tell this people all these words, and they say to you, Why has the Lord pronounced all this great evil against us? What is our iniquity? What is the sin that we have committed against the Lord our God? They're seemingly oblivious. They can't really be that oblivious. They must be suppressing the truth and unrighteousness to protect their egos because they did some horrible things. Verse 11, what is this? 
I'm going to read it. I don't know where, where this is found, but it's definitely in Jeremiah. Maybe I just read it. Therefore, Then you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me, declares the Lord, and have gone after other gods and have served and worshipped them, and have forsaken me and have not kept my law, and because you have done worse than your fathers before, behold, every one of you who follows his stubborn, evil will, refusing to listen to me, therefore I will hurl you out of this land into a land that neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you shall serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favor. Oh, oh, there it is. Okay, great. So yeah, well, that's what he's, so he's saying, you're going to be displaced. You're going to be scattered. You're not going to worship, you're going to want to worship other gods? Okay, you will worship other gods. I will displace you from this place, and you'll go wherever the king of Babylon sends you in his, in his regions that he is, is ruler of, and he will come here, and he will take all that's yours. Um, you have to be scattered, uh, and they will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. This is their, uh, this is their discipline. This is their punishment. Uh, because they refuse to acknowledge that they've done anything wrong. And maybe the reason why they refuse to acknowledge that they've done anything wrong is because what they had done was so horrific. I can understand where they're coming from, wanting to make a stone of their heart and not acknowledge what they did. But what they did was so abominable. Uh, what were these horrible things they did? Uh, verse 30, I assume we're in the same chapter, I guess. Or, yeah, verse 8. No? All right, well, you have to trust me. <laughs> For the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, says the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my heart. It's back in seven. You know your, uh, your book of Jeremiah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so you just catch that, what they did. They burned their sons and their daughters. I think I'll be talking about that in the next page. Um, let's read Jeremiah 19, verse 4 through 9. Since they have abandoned me, and have made this place foreign, and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods that neither they nor their forefathers nor their kings of Judah had ever known. And since they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent, and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal. Did you hear that? Burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal a thing which I did not command nor speak of, nor did it ever enter my mind. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place will no longer be called Topheth or the Valley of Ben-Hinnom, but rather the Valley of Slaughter. There's more there, but I'll stop there. So not only were they cheating on God by worshiping other gods and whoring after other gods, but they were also um, they were also delivering up their children to these other gods. Uh, the the pagan god uh, I'm referencing is the god Molech, which we talked about in Sunday school. Molech had um, these; their hands were made of uh, bronze, so 
So it would be like this, and there would be a fire underneath it, and it would heat the the hands so they were you know white hot, um, and they would put their children on there to die. Think about that. The most horrific, ah, uh, torturous. And people, you know, we, 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 you know, these days we know about the suctioning of, of baby parts out of, you know, they can't, they can't go anywhere. I mean, this stuff, it, we, people talk about the world's getting so horrible. The girl, world's always been horrible. There's nothing new under the sun, and uh, sin is rampant, and denial of sin is rampant. Um, so God is right to judge them. And we would all agree, yes, they're doing horrible things. You should judge them. And still, he sends Jeremiah to them to call them to repentance. You'll be in captivity for 70 years. That's if you acknowledge your iniquity. But if you want to stay here, you will die at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar and his army. This is a righteous parent. This is righteous judgment, punishment for horrific evil. And, and so merciful to send Jeremiah to them. Poor Jeremiah. Uh, and how do they respond to the Lord's discipline? They hold fast to deceit. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, what have I done? Chapter 8, 5. Everyone will deceive his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongues to speak lies. They weary themselves to commit iniquity. That's such an amazing sentence. They weary themselves, like, ah, I gotta do a little more iniquity. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> um, God. Uh, let's go, uh, chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. And back in 8 again, he says, uh, Your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit, they refuse to know me. God is faithful and they are unfaithful. And it's heartbreaking. And the people didn't want to hear any of this. It was bad news. They preferred prophecies that were more pleasing to their ears. The prophets uh, preaching peace, peace when there is no peace. Or there's a false prophet, Hananiah. It's in chapters 28 and 29. I wonder, I think we won't read it, but in, in chapter 28 and 29, there's uh, this dueling prophets thing going on with, with Jeremiah and Hananiah, and Hananiah saying, ah, uh, right? He's like, oh, we're going to have victory, and, and the Babylonians, they're, they're, God loves us, so he's going to fight for us, which sounds great. I think Jeremiah even said, like, I hope that, I hope that, is legit, but then God's like, it's not legit. So, um, but you know, we all like to hear narratives that agree with our, yeah, ourselves anyway. Um, 
It does. You, 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 yeah, we, we go, we listen to who we want to listen to because it, it pleases our ears. Um, they didn't like to be humbled, so they denied they had done anything wrong, protected their egos, if, as it were, found alternative prophets to tell them what they wanted to hear, and cut themselves off from God. Uh, their preferred prophecies, their preferred narrative. Think CNN, think Fox News, think my truth, instead of the truth, the empirical truth. And people are doing that these days. I made reference to all those channels. People find some narrative. You can't talk to your friends anymore because they have a completely different narrative. And you're looking at each other cross-eyed, and you're getting your fists ready. Um, let's read... Uh, 1414, 14, Jeremiah. It says, And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their hearts. Fake news. We can all be susceptible to fake news. So pray for discernment and stay in the word. This is historical. This has all happened before. So make sure when you're hearing something that's pleasing, pump the brakes and go to the word. Uh, let's turn to chapter 20 of Jeremiah. This is Pashur. And you were talking about uh, your friend in the Middle East who got beat up. The lady. Yeah, because she's preaching stuff that other people didn't want her to preach. They didn't like hearing it. We got it right here. So when Pashur, so verse 1, when Pashur the priest, the son of Immer, who was chief overseer in the house of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, Pashur had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put him in the stocks that were, up at, that were at the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of the Lord. You guys know what stocks are? No. So stocks are... Um, well, you got beat up. You know what beat up is? And then there's this, um, I know it from, from Shakespeare, but it, yeah, it's a little wooden thing. Your head is through and your arms, you can't move. You're just stuck like in the stocks forever. It's, uh, it's not fun. Um, so where was I? So he had him put in the stocks. Then verse 3. Then on the next day, when Pashur released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, Pashur is not the name the Lord has called you, but rather Magur Misabib, which means terror on every side. He's making reference to all the uh, Assyrians and the Babylonians all around Israel. For this is what the Lord says, Behold, I am going to make you a horror to yourself and to all your friends. And while your eyes look on, they will fall by the sword of their enemies. So I will hand all Judah over to the king of Babylon. And he will take them away as exiles to Babylon and will kill them with the sword. I will also give all the wealth of this city, all its produce and all its valuable things, even all the treasures of the kings of Judah, I will hand over to their enemies. And they will plunder them, take them away and bring them to Babylon. And you, Pashur, and all who live in your house will go into captivity. You will enter Babylon and there you will die. And there you will be buried you and all your friends to whom you have falsely prophesied. So, fake news is not good, and those who believe fake news are in danger. So be careful. Immediately after, this is great. Okay, so we're staying in 20. That was verse 6. Now we're going to verse 7. And 
this is where we see uh, Jeremiah and all his fallen humanity. Jeremiah says, O Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. So Jeremiah, he's the good guy, the good guy. No one is good, but he is the prophet of God. He speaks for God, and he is turning on God and saying, you deceived me. Not take responsibility. Um, um, oh, we're, we're getting there. This is great. This whole speech, I got, we're going from 7 through 18. So he says, you deceive me. You're stronger than I, and you have prevailed. And then he he really goes off. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out. I shout, violence and destruction, for the word of the Lord has become a reproach, for me, a reproach and a derision all day long. Then I said, this is great, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. He's, I'm done being a prophet. I will not do it anymore. Right? He's saying this to God. Well, he said it to them, and God knows what he said. I'm done. I'm done being a prophet. But his word was like was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. And I think if he could, he would have uh, held it in. But God, God's will be done in all things. You can't. You can't. Uh, can't not. Amen. So verse 10, for I hear many whispering, terror is on every side. They say, denounce him, let us denounce him. Say all my close friends, watching for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived and then we can overcome him. We can take our revenge on him. So this is why he's called the weeping prophet. He, and he's, you got to understand what the position he's put in. It's a pretty difficult position. He's, I mean, he has God. But all his friends, they want to kill him now. Now he switches gears, verse 11. But the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. And this is, this is the contradictory nature of man. To say in one moment, just a few minutes, seconds ago, you deceived me. And now he says, you are my dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. They will not overcome me. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not succeed. Their eternal dishonor will never be forgotten. So man is all over the place. And I know what that's like because I'm all over the place. And now he has a prayer for righteous judgment on his tormentors. Verse 12, O Lord of hosts, who tests the righteous, who sees the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you I have committed my cause. And Rudy and I were talking about this. What's this kind of prayer? What's it called? Imprecatory? Because I have been doing this of late, um, praying that the wicked would be exposed and punished. Um, of course, God's will be done. I defer. Um, but we can pray for God's righteous judgment. Um, and now he goes full praises to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For he has delivered the life of the needy from the hand of evildoers. And then he says, Cursed be the day on which I was born. <laughs> the day when my mother bore me, let it not be blessed. God, he's so dramatic. 
Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father. A son is born to you, making him very glad. Let that man be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon, because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave, and her womb would always be enlarged with me. Why did I come forth from the womb to see toil and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame? This is Shakespeare, right? This is just, just, and, and I don't want to mock him because I've, I've been there. I, I, as I've gotten older, I become more filtered, but certainly there was a time when, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't filter and my, you know, I'm very, Melodramatic. Sorry. Poor guy. Um, so this is Jeremiah. And, uh, and I can relate to Jeremiah. And I'm not bragging at all. Uh, the walk can be hard. We talked that one time about blues hymns. And it, it seems... Uh, like an oxymoron, because we know our victory is is sure, because Jesus did it; it's done. But still, so we have a lot of songs that are singing of victory and and they're joyous. But uh, I I do appreciate those blues hymns, um, and we do have some. There's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because you know I, I I live in this world, and and it can be difficult. And uh, painful sometimes, and and those blues hymns are therapeutic. This is blues hymns right here. Okay. Um, the only man who was ever truly heroic is Jesus Christ. The rest in here are very relatable in their humanity. Even Pilate, with his rhetorical question, when uh, Jesus comes is before him and tells him the truth, and he says, "What is truth?" And that's a statement that's, that is evidence of his own despondency, his own like cynicism, his dripping cynicism. Because he has had so many experiences with deceitful people, with man being horrible. And when I read that, I was like, the complexity. I get where Pilate's coming from. I've been there. That sort of despair, that despondency. Um, yeah, this thing's full of stuff like that. Um, uh, the people of Judah as well, uh, they didn't want to hear bad news. I don't like to hear bad news. But if God admonishes you, it's because he loves you. You'll either be disciplined and humbled, or you'll be displaced in the land you do not know, righteously judged. I'm susceptible to false prophecies, just like the people of Judah, prophecies that are pleasing to my ear. I, too, only want to hear good news. But we have heard good news, the good news, that we uh, we are better than we deserve, to quote Rudy. And John used to have a problem with that. We're clothed in Jesus' righteousness. He's right. We don't deserve that righteousness. We deserve judgment and punishment. Praise God for his grace that he gives to us freely as a gift. Uh, let's read... 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, and I'll close with this. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
verses 12 through 17. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, Pilate, this is truth right here. We have it. This is our compass. This is our life raft in a sea of deception. So cling to it. Let's close in prayer. Father, uh, we are ever so grateful to you for your uh, enduring love for us, for your parenting of us little scoundrels. Um, thank you, Father, for sending your Son to do what we could not, to take the punishment that was so horrid um, for our sake because of your love for us. We, uh, we are so grateful, Father. We praise you, Father. We say these things, Father, in Jesus' name.